She made me do it. They all make me do it. Motherfucking goddamn orange peel beef. Everybody, it's one fucking hour time. I am Evan Husney. Of course, this is the show where we talk about one goddamn movie for one fucking hour. And we got in the house with me, Mr. Tom Fitzgerald. Tom, what's going on, brah? Tom's not here. <laughs> oh, Shame. my. Okay. All right. Didn't win. That was yeah. last week, though. Whoa. Um, that's right. And uh, to my right, we got, uh, as per usual here, Mr. Marcus Herring. What's going on, Marcus? How are you? What is up, everybody? Is this like a little white thing here? What is that? I don't see it. Uh, are you freaking out? There it goes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh-oh. <laughs> Microdosing again. Yeah, I know. We talked yeah. about this. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Altered States was last week, man. What's going on? Um, okay, all right, guys. Okay, good. Uh, tonight is, of course, episode 81 uh, of the show, and that means you've been following along with us. We're doing a movie from 1981, which uh, y'all voted on on our Instagram page. And man, it was a fucking close race. Uh, it was like literally three votes decided tonight's movie. It was that close. Um, and of course, we're talking about Brian De Palma's Blowout uh, was the chosen film. Uh, very close second, guys, was Escape from New York. Um, and then under that, of course, I'm sorry, Tom, Quest for Fire didn't didn't have a great showing. <laughs> but we're going to force it on people at some point, right? Like, we're going to yeah. do that. Yeah, of course. It's um, a lesser known entity, but we'll, 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 we'll get it charged up. We'll, 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 uh, we'll do yeah. a quest. It's going to be part point. of our top 10 caveman movies. Oh, there you go. I'd love right. to do that. I got, uh, I got a few. Dude, <laughs> yeah. Fol- Fulci's Conquest is going to be high on that top ten for me. Good. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. Caveman, uh, Ringo Starr. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. A giant egg. Oh, <laughs> my God. And uh, what was the other? F- oh, yeah. Um, American Werewolf uh, also uh, fell a little short, but I'm sure some point we'll get to that one. I mean, we love that movie here, right? I mean. Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah. yeah. That's a big, juicy one that we can get deep on for sure. But we're talking about this is our first De Palma film. Uh, first time he'll be on the channel, which is great uh so we're doing one fucking hour on blowout guys um but before we do that before we get into that shit just want to do a quick shout out to the one fucking hour patreon of course patreon.com slash one fucking hour is how you can sign up and support the show it's just five bucks a month you get uh instant access to all of our bonus feature length audio commentary tracks that we've been recording to a lot of choice flicks man we've done texas chainsaw massacre we've done fucking blue velvet has been super fun uh we did star wars og uh from 1977 and uh i guess we're unveiling the next audio commentary track uh tonight uh, which we're very excited about to get into. Uh, we love uh, Alejandro Jorowski. We recently did El Topo on the YouTube channel right here f- about uh, a handful of episodes ago. And so we're going to follow it up with a DVD commentary track on Holy Mountain, guys. Ooh. Holy shit. That's what we're going to be doing. We, because we said, guys, when we, when, we, when we did shout out to our El Topo episode we did earlier on in the summer, we said, I don't think we can do Holly Mountain in a fucking hour. I think we need more time to cover that shit because it is that fucking insane. So I think the only way we can do it is in a DVD commentary track. So you might as well hang out yeah. with us and watch the goddamn movie with us. Isn't that right? I don't know. 
Yeah, it's so dense. I mean, it's it's wide and it's deep. So it's like uh, you don't get a break like to, um, mm-hmm. to to land. And you just like you go up into the atmosphere, up to the stratosphere, <laughs> and you're just stuck there the whole time. And I was I actually was just rewatching the, um, you know, like the 8K or whatever um, ooh, this ooh. summer. And I was watching it and I kept freeze framing it because I was like, mm-hmm. this is one of those movies where it's suitable for framing just like wait full stop what is the aztec outfit that this frog is wearing <laughs> what exactly went into getting this little outfit on this frog and yeah. the and the artistic consideration and it's just a tiny yeah. little pebble yeah. in this insane mosaic and it goes yeah. on and on and then i was just thinking like this is not a film in any, I mean, of course it's not. We all know that. Like narratively, it's very different, but it's just so engaging that it's like, it's just like a two hour music video. Yeah. I mean, I know it sounds reductive, but like what I mean is it's just like, it's to be consumed in a way that is not in a normal film way. It's, um, mm-hmm. it's supposed to trigger your, your, your inner mind and third eye. It's like, uh, it's images and, and uh, audio that is mm-hmm. just like stimulating you uh and in this way that feels both ancient and still like cutting edge mm-hmm. it's pretty remarkable yeah like every, to your point every shot is like a, a painting a painting in a museum or something or like a performance art you know it's almost like a journey through surreal performance art that was just captured on film in like a really yeah. masterful way and yeah every everything has a really uh uh you know it feels very deep and meaningful even if you can't quite you know, parse what yeah. is happening. You know? And it's okay. You don't have <laughs> yeah. to. Like, yeah. he's not being particularly dogmatic. It's just like, like, what is this doing? It's like a Jungian kind of collective unconscious thing. Like, what are your synapses doing when, like, you see a room full of Jesus Christs and then oh. you eat mm-hmm. one of the Jesus Christ faces and, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, and uh, it's just really fun. And I actually, I propose we're going to have to watch it twice in a row. Okay. to really do it <laughs> yeah sure the and four hour commentary no just <laughs> yeah. the four hour commentary all right you know? yeah so that's what it deserves but we probably won't do that plus yeah it's great we can dive into the uh connect the beatles connection you know oh uh, we most, will one of the most surreal weirdest movies of all time is of course connected to the biggest pop group ever so that's, that's right. crazy so the only way you're going to be able to hear that is up on the Patreon, uh, or you can scroll underneath the video, hit click the join button and become a moment of our YouTube channel, and you can get the access to the commentaries that way. Um, and guys, we've been discussing tonight, and we'll unveil this soon, we have a whole other plan for more bonus content that we're going to do beyond just the regular one fucking hour show. We've got a lot of other stuff we're going to be getting into, some, some, some members-only live streams perhaps. We're going to get into a bunch of shit so you're going to want to become a member or a moment pretty quick uh, in order to uh, have access to all that shit. So patreon.com slash one fucking hour. Appreciate y'all who are already signed up. Thank you so much. Yeah. Guys. Good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Are you guys ready to get into tonight's show? Should we just fucking get, rip right into it? Let's Hell do it. yeah. All right. Here comes the clock. All right. Boom. And quick little uh, synopsis action here on tonight's film. Uh, this uh, synopsis is taken straight from the Criterion Blu-ray. Um, so um, here we go. In the enthralling blowout, or as my Canadian friends refer to it, blue oot, 
Uh, brilliantly crafted. <laughs> it says that on the Blu-ray. No. Uh, brilliantly crafted by Brian De Palma, John Travolta gives one of his greatest performances as a film sound effects man who believes he has accidentally recorded a political assassination. To uncover the truth, he enlists the help of a possible eyewitness to the crime, uh, of course, uh, played by Nancy Allen, who was De Palma's wife at the time, uh, who may be in danger uh, herself. With its jolting stylistic flourishes, intricate plot, profoundly felt characterizations, and gritty evocation of early 1980s Philadelphia, Blue Out is a, an American paranoia thriller unlike any other, as well as a devilish reflection on movie making. Um, so that's the flick. Uh, again, Tom, another one of these movies. I, I have to assume that like now that we're getting into the early 80s, that these are movies you are seeing regularly on first release, right? Yeah, like if not the movie theater, you know, like there's cable. Yeah. I always mention that. But uh, right. no, I, I saw this one in a theater, uh, unsuspecting, um, still, you know, very much a kid, like 11 or something like that. And uh, one summer uh, I uh, went to a matinee and... Um, you know, it starts and I was absolutely blown away, like in a good <laughs> way, because, you know, I had seen Friday the 13th on like, you know, the movie channel on cable and whatnot. And I'm, I was a fan. Um, but this was like the most balls out, psychotic, um, lurid, yeah. naked girl slasher movie, <laughs> Nightmare Heaven. You know what I mean? I mean, you know, because the, they can see it as in the film blowout. You know, the, the opening scene is from this trashy slasher film. It's like a parody. That, yeah. You know, that, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that Travolta and, and them are making. Um, so he just went for it. Yeah, it's a bit of a parody, and it's a bit of like, it's like everything's on 11, you know, as they say in Spinal <laughs> Tap. And, and it's so fun, and it's just like, and yeah, I guess there's like hardcore steady cam, and it never ends, and it's all the POV of this psychotic uh, nerdy killer in a men's uh, only jacket. And you see him in the mirror, which is actually Members really only. creepy. Yeah, 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 it's yeah. so funny. And uh, he's great. I wanted to freeze frame that. Uh, please cut amazing. to that. If whoever, the guy in the booth who does that yeah. stuff and cuts to the clips. Uh, yeah, have the members only jacket guy in the in the mirror. But anyway, yeah, it's amazing. Uh, what really got me was like, okay, it was, it was like, oh, now that girl's masturbating yeah. in the bed. And it's like, I'd, st I'd never seen anything like this before. And then like there's killings and there's screaming. And it was like so insane. So. Uh, but then what was really great is I was like, as a kid, I was like, all right, is this going to deflate and be like, like really disappointing? But it wasn't. I yeah. was enthralled by the film uh, throughout. It, it didn't peak in the first five minutes. It was it was it still had my attention the whole time. Yeah, it's it's such a um, that opening is so fucking well done. Um, just technically, obviously, as you mentioned, the, the steady cam work, which was brand freaking new at that time. I mean, you know, the shining is just, um, uh, you know, um, I guess one year earlier and, uh, or two years earlier, maybe. And, um, that kind of set the bar for steady cam work and, you know, mm -hmm. this movie, it's great, but it's so funny that it's kind of being used for <laughs> this kind of like parody of a slasher movie. And I also was thinking as I was watching it, like, man, it is kind of early and on the cutting edge to be satirizing a slasher like in 1981. Yeah. Because, I mean, mm -hmm. you know, you said you had Friday the 13th, but maybe Halloween, of course, being a mm -hmm. big one, which does have a similar sequence actually in it. Um, yeah, POV thing. Yeah. A POV yeah. thing. But like, man, I, I think in 81, that's pretty fresh, right? To be like... Well, the, not to get in the weeds, but there was a movie called Student Bodies, that was right. pretty nuts. And yes. it was everyone's favorite Saturday the 14th. Was yeah. Came out the same year. <laughs> so, true, like, true, wow. true. 
yeah. like Richard Benjamin. Yeah, but no, but actually, but to your point, it's like uh, a real film that's not just kind of a trashy comedy mm-hmm. is is doing this kind of meta wink at this um, like like because uh, at the slasher genre because the slasher genre immediately jumped the shark. You know right. what I mean? It became this True. like trope and like, yeah, you know, like it, it became so predictable. Like it's a formula like, all right, POV and the topless girl and then the knife. And, you know, and so he mm-hmm. picked up on what kind of a lot of people were picking up on that this genre like yeah. immediately became like, you know, um, just you couldn't escape it. And then it just became omnipresent and collapsed. Mm-hmm. That? Yeah. Well, just everywhere. It was like ubiquitous. And then like he pushed it to 11, though, as you said, like. You know, with the masturbating girl, the dancing girls, the sex scene, one one thing after the next. Yeah. I really want to watch a movie that delivers that many things. I wanted that movie to keep going because it just right. keeps delivering. You know? Is it like, is this a dumb thing to say? It's like Gaspar Noe or something like that? Well, I was thinking the same thing. It was kind of like, a, well, because yeah. it is like Enter the Void has that POV right, thing that's exactly. going on. Right. And exactly. I think he stole that from like Lady in the, on the Lake or something. But, um, right. But, uh, no, it totally feels revolutionary. There's also that like first person movie, like Hardcore Henry or something that was like oh. a little blip in consciousness where it was a full on first person movie. Yeah, terrible. terrible. It's more like a video game or something. One of my least favorite movies of all time. The, the, well, the combination of POV and then that fresh steady cam. Yeah, it feels really, it just, it, it still feels really fresh. And I guess the lighting and it's just a lot of yeah, magic happening. Exactly. In that, yeah, all the, all the, the rooms were set up so well is, is, the camera traveled. And one last little thought: we're talking about like the magic of that early opening scene. Is uh, it sounds really great? There's mm-hmm. like what is it yeah. like heartbeats and like heavy breathing mm-hmm. and like the wind music. blowing and it's all maxim and the music it's all maximized. It sounds great. Yeah, it's just it's just like intoxicating. You know to be I mean? fair, a movie that is about sound design like needs to have like really killer. Yeah, sound yeah they better get that know? right. That part, <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, and they do wrong because it's a. Yeah. Because maybe he's not good at his job, and you know, right? <laughs> well, that's in the narrative. The, well, that's he seems to be one thing. of the only one of the only kind of like uh, skilled technicians on this film, right? Like he seems to be like he's he he's good at everyone else is kind of schlocky. Yeah, yeah, right. totally. Um, well, one thing too is that we mentioned with the Steadicam, just since we're we're there, because this is really the main you know showing of the Steadicam in this in this movie. Obviously, it shows yeah. up a little later on too, towards the end, but. Um, you know, Garrett Brown was the dude that was uh, who invented the Steadicam, and he's also operating that shot in the opening. The opening, you know, single shot take, and that was heavily choreographed and everything. It's pretty, pretty yeah. incredible. Sorry. He he did The Shining too. Yes, yes. So he had wow. just he just had come off of The Shining, and wow. uh, he uh, he had mentioned that he was like all warmed up. You know, like he was because, you know, Kubrick is known for how many takes he does. And so he was definitely ready to do it. Um, but it was he was asked to do something that he didn't do in The Shining, which was to do a POV shot. And so with this, he really, um, you know, had to get like, uh, you know, very performative because he's almost like acting it out. You see his hand yeah. that comes into frame and things like that. And so it's pretty amazing. But he had in his mind like he knew the shot from Halloween that like that POV shot he knew that he wanted to top it because you know technology had evolved since Halloween and it was mm-hmm. wobbly and things and so he really wanted to get this right but then the day he showed up on set news was broke to him that like this is supposed to actually be a, a shitty movie 
You know, it's right. supposed to be a parody. <laughs> and so he's like, oh, my God. And so, um, you know, he had to kind of figure out a good balance of being like technically proficient, but also not, you know, making it seem like it is part of this it. kind of like B-movie thing, which I love that friction. That's um, so and, cool. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, just a personal little side note, like fucking Steadicam, man, is it is incredible. Like, you know, I, I work on a TV show where, you know, we do a lot of work with the Steadicam. Actually, any shots that we do in the studio for Dark Side of the Ring is all Steadicam. Every single shot is. And it's it's insane. Oh. I, I actually strapped myself into the rig and it's insane what it does to your body. It like it, it's wow. so much weight pulling on your core. And it's crazy uh-huh. to think that someone has to kind of balance something as heavy and as crazy as that while also being artful and getting the mm-hmm. shot like and light as Fred Astaire. Definitely. Yeah. It's crazy. And, and the nuts cool. and bolts of it too. It's like those guys that are city cam operators, they have a huge investment, you know, going in. They're like, I want to be yep. a city cam guy. So I've got to drop a hundred grand on gear, you know, and I'm gonna I'm gonna slowly pay that off over the next few years, you know, on yeah. all these gigs and stuff. And there's also like a limit to how much how long you can do it. I think there's a lot I mean, mm-hmm. any steady cam operators listening can tell us in the comments. How many yeah. years you got of that in you? Because I think it's only like ten or twelve before literally your back can't handle it anymore. Uh, it's like a pro say. athlete kind yeah. of time, you know, right. career timeline. It is. Time it is. You so retire. Yeah. Yeah. So it is. It is. It is amazing. But um, but Tom, On you. The, or, sorry. Go well, ahead. oh, sorry. I was gonna. Well, we can talk about cinematography later. I was gonna make a, a leap there, but if Tom's got another subject. I actually meant to say Marcus. I, I conflated you, oh, okay. both of you. <laughs> uh, but Marcus, you also saw this movie when you were small as well too, right? I did, yeah. My dad showed me this movie. I think he wanted me... I think he always had a lot of enthusiasm for films that had the, kind of like a twist ending or kind of like an ironic ending, you know, which this definitely does. So he could oh, kind yeah. of nudge me, elbow me, and be like, wasn't that great, you know? So he showed this to me. Um, but it's not appropriate for most children, I don't think. No, you know, God. Kind of, and uh, it definitely kind of scarred me, like, you know, and I didn't know who De Palma was, Travolta was, anything for years. When I went back to watch this, I was like, holy shit, John Travolta's in this movie? Because wow. for me as a kid, it was just a guy. But I felt really scarred by, like, the there's a like, specific sex scene that happens in this movie that uh, just completely burned into my, it's the, the phone booth kind of like. Oh, uh, well, look, uh, we're oral- going to do oh, like God. a half an hour. Okay, good. All the John not to go scene. into it, but it, yeah. it, it, okay. Yeah. Well, just rewatching it this time, I still I almost had to look away. I was still feeling those like eleven year yeah. or I don't know. I was younger than eleven, but just like a child kind of like fear of adult doing sexual like things. Gnarliness. Really... Well, can, can I <laughs> piggyback on that? It's just uh, just to put a button on this. It's like we were talking about the crazy lurid like carnival of insanity in the first five minutes. And, and it was wild for me as a kid, but it was fun because it was obviously inherently silly. But as Marcus is saying, you know, the film goes on and I'm still like 11 years old. Yeah. And like the really gnarly stuff that happens later with Lithgow is, mm-hmm. is the killer. Mm-hmm. Like that was very unpleasant. And that was easily like truly unsettling compared to it is uh, the, the silliness of the opening, you know, um, the high camp. And uh, it was one of those things where it's like, I how can I how am, how did my parents not pay attention that I'm watching this? <laughs> I, how did they sell me a ticket? Who sold me a ticket? Like I'm a, like a little guy. Hey, like, yeah, hey, hi, let's go see a movie. It's like, how did this work back then? You know, I should not have been seeing that film in a movie yeah. theater. 
you know? Yeah, like amazing. Two in the afternoon. I don't know. <laughs> if the, the humor of the of the beginning was kind of lost on me as a kid too. You know, it just seems like a scary yeah. movie. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, totally. I do love that it ends with a joke that lands that even a kid can get. Though you know, it does with that that scream that the girl gives, where she's like, "Oh, <laughs> God, the scream is terrible." Oh. You know, like the right. oh, yeah. 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 Scream. yeah, yeah, the yes. end of the opening scene, yeah, yeah, the end of the yeah, opening well, scene, right? It, yeah, it kind of it ends with a joke that even a kid can grasp. Yeah, so. yeah it's almost totally. like out of like singing in the rain or something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is. right. It's like you know when yeah. you like like uh, the silent movie stars' right. voices terrible. Right. You know, oh, right. yeah, so I'm, I'm just right. saying it has right. classic comedy uh, elements. Right. To it, you know, mm-hmm. right, 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 okay. and yeah, and it's cool. It's like uh, you know, De Palma has said too, like in putting, um, you know like movies together he's always cognizant of this idea of like okay you know the opening of a movie is just such a crucial moment that you have to grab somebody and to utilize it right. you know it's 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 very valuable real estate that you can do something mm-hmm. very creative and very interesting and he's always cognizant of that where it's not just like an establishing shot of a city or a helicopter shot or something mm-hmm. that you know is very generic like he you know he wanted to craft something and you know a, a lot of his movies do kind of have those like wicked openings you know and and yeah, um, i'm thinking now like uh, dress to kill he, is pretty striking for instance yeah absolutely absolutely but th- this one's up there at the top for sure and so yeah. um but the 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 before we get into the movies just like just to kind of touch on brian de palma because it's our first time sort of talking about him it's like he, welcome, he is such brian. a welcome brian <laughs> <laughs> hi brian um but he's um he's such an interesting filmmaker i mean i you know i i do really enjoy his work because it is it is um it's very watchable to me and very fun in terms of like this hybrid of like high camp for the most part um you know like obviously like you know scarface and you know, uh, oh fuck! I'm gonna make you guys definitely do one fucking hour on raising Cain somewhere down okay. the line. I know that. Um, you know, but just you know, he he gets pretty demented and weird, and it's it can be very fun. And uh, he's got an interesting yeah. career in a lot of different movies. He definitely has some stinkers too, but he is interesting in that, like you know, he mixes this sort of high camp. Um, you know, kind of recycling a lot of like familiar tropes, and you know, uh, you know, he he really loves you know the masters, the Orson Welles and the, the Hitchcock, Hitchcock and uh, the odd primarily to Hitchcock. Right, yeah. right. Um, you know, but sometimes it works, sometimes it hits, and sometimes it doesn't. He does make some pretty interesting cinematic choices, and you know, he can make a movie just very fun in that way. You know, where it feels kind of you know low stakes to like sit back and watch one of his movies. You yeah. know, versus cheap like, thrills, mm-hmm. cheap thrills. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Right. So, yeah, I don't know. Any he thoughts came up on in that? that? He came up in that era, you know, with alongside the big boys, you know, Coppola, Spielberg, whatever, on all the, Scorsese. specifically the guys, the Corman kind of, Scorsese, yeah. the Corman kind of crew, you know. Yeah. But he doesn't, his film, and his films are super watchable. Like you say, they're fun. They break through. A lot of them have this commercial success. Mm-hmm. Something about them feels like a little lightweight to me. Like they don't have the depth that, like, you know, like a Compared Apocalypse to like Now the Godfather or 2 or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And yeah, I think yeah. that is a block for people, you know, um, maybe, or at least for me, you know, but I do love his movies too, but they just you know, don't seem to have the same weight, you know. So I judge them on a curve, I guess. You know, they me feel too. more like. I hear you. Yeah, I don't know. You know what they feel like? They feel like kind of the top of the line of a of a movie that comes in a snapper snapping DVD case. <laughs> like he's yeah. very much kind of 
the ill like I, I sort of watch his movies like I would like an erotic thriller you know from the 80s right. or 90s hell he's made a right. lot of them which but body it's double essentially body double is. yeah exactly it's just like, like fun trash you know? trash right. um, he is kind yeah. of like a trash filmmaker <laughs> in a lot of but ways if, you know? if I can um, sure I totally hear your point but that's never been the the thing that stopped me from um, appreciating him I totally hear what both of you guys are saying and I'm, I'm in accord with you like I've always felt like does what does this guy have to offer I mean a movie like taxi driver can happen and why can't you go there are you not interested Do you not have the uh, interest to go that deep as, as a person as an artist and right. Godfather 2 and everything uh, but so there's that and I, I but I'm what I'm saying I forgive him for that and then I forgive him for like just saying oh, I'm gonna make trashy movies and have some fun movies can be fun Paul yeah, and he has a lot of fun yeah. yeah and Paul and Kill really is like that's like his, her uh, favorite guy from this period wow. and because he was so fun because she used to extol the virtues of like you know let's calm down movies they're like fun they're pop they're an art form but they're a pop art form yeah. so there's that so I agree with that yeah but my problem has always been with him I'm not looking for trouble with him but it was strictly <laughs> the pacing you know I, I really narrowed this down like it's it's I, I, I'm alienated often from his pacing because it seems lugubrious and um, so self-aware and self-satisfactory. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and I'm just looking at my watch and going like, yes, very good, Brian. That's a very good <laughs> shot. Congratulations. Like, you're a good boy. Like, have a cookie. You know, and it's just like, all right, can, can, I, get, can I get engaged here? Like, or are you yeah. going to get mas masturbatory about, like, mm -hmm. my set piece, you know? But I don't even care mm -hmm. that much. But what I'm yeah. saying is, is I know what you let's mean. get back to this movie, Blowout is awesome because I don't see any pacing problems that I usually find with him. Mm -hmm, right. I think he's got a rip cracking, very simple narrative yeah, that does. has like um, like the pacing of a thriller. Like it's him doing a thriller. Like Dress to Kill is not a thriller, you know, but like this is a thriller where it's like, is yeah. the girl going to make it? Is he going to get there in time? You know, right. And I think that well, helps him to kind of keep shit moving. Right. Mm -hmm. And if I can, I mean, th that's probably because segue this is a, a, a tried and true format, you know? I mean, mm -hmm. this is not the first yeah. movie of its ilk. Let's talk about right. this. Yep. Um, because, you know, there is two other films that predate this one that are very similar. <laughs> first, you have, of course, Blow Up, which is uh, the, the Antonioni film where, you know, in, in, where the plot is to blow up a photograph to see what's the, the, the mystery that's <laughs> hidden within that. Looks like there was a killer. There, was there a killing in the field yeah. in that photo I took, you know? Yeah. Right, right. And then in uh, the conversation, which we talked mm -hmm. about Coppola earlier, there's uh, the plot device there is trying to weed through all the ambient noise and other sounds to figure out what this mysterious conversation is between two different people. You know, awesome. so um, but there's something very tried and true in that format in, in this idea. It's very cinematic. Th mm -hmm. that idea of deconstructing yeah, yeah. something and there's something more within it. It leads us to a mystery. And of course, De Palma's take and turn on this is the idea of, which is pretty cool actually, this idea of what is there when you actually sync sound with picture, you know, mm -hmm. more or less. Mm -hmm. This idea that you've recorded something and, there, and, and you might have recorded, like it's essentially about you, you hear it as one sound a few times, but it's actually two, you know, the boom, boom, you know, of gunshot and a blowout. That's what it is about. And so it's very cinematic. And of course, we'll get into this. The idea of the deconstruction, especially at that time, things are very different now, but going into what you had to do in order to make movies, you had to, you know, you had to, you had to take sound design, record that, you know, and then take picture, marry the two in very laborious 
synchronization, cutting mirror, tape, cutting film, yeah, Yeah. Mm -hmm. splicing, marking, Mm -hmm. syncing. So, like, like tape tape was involved. Yeah, (laughs) I know. Yeah. Like razor blades. And you do see that. And actually, that's the other thing is, again, when I was a kid, I really responded. I was surprised that I really mainly responded to the huge set piece in the middle of the film that we're alluding to right now, which sure. is so masterful. So, you know, total kudos to him there. And yeah. can I just say, it's not lugubriously paced. It's very snappy, mm-hmm. wherein um, he's getting these photographs from the magazine of the um, you know assassination with the car getting shot. And, uh, you know, he's, he's making a little flip book. And you're watching this all play out. And it's, I feel it's 100% engaging. He's mm-hmm. cutting them out. He does the flip book thing to test it, and then he finds the uh, the, the exact moment of the impact on the tape as he's running it through the the bed. Sink, uh, a the, sink the point. Audio. He's finding sink the sink point. point. Yeah, the great like, rewind, the, the great rewind yeah, yeah. sound effects. And hitting like, the X on yeah. the, the with the grease paint. So yeah, it, really well shot, totally engaging, um, and part of the suspense of it all. Like mm-hmm. it's it's and, and in that way you're say, you're saying it's like it's a classic thriller mystery detective story. It's like a, it's a it's it's a yeah. detective story where the moves and 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 the and the and the what am I trying to say the, the clues the hints are in 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 filmmaking itself and he does such a great mm-hmm. job with that and it's so fun and that's actually my favorite part of the movie I remember I was responding to that as a child I was like yeah. it's so magical you know the yeah. magic yeah. of filmmaking I yeah. love all the tech it's like tech porn watching all the clicks <sighs> yeah, and clacks of all so. the machinery and stuff it's, I mean yeah. that is the part that borrows the most from. I mean, just aside from the theme, like that's the part that borrows the most from Blow Up because that also happens in Blow Up when they're mm-hmm. blowing up the yeah the uh, the film, and you get really engrossed in that, and that just becomes the movie for a while. You watching mm-hmm. and blow it up, and, and and get closer and closer, and zooming in, it gets kind of quiet, and it's really engrossing. It's so interesting, like that Antonioni like seemed to have a huge impact on this generation of these new Hollywood huge. guys, you know, and they're like yeah. Coppola talks about him and this and then you know the the people that did there's a couple films that do like riffs on blow up you know i mentioned last week that deep reds like uh you know kind of like another blow up like uh story and it's so interesting that the guys like watch this european art house movie that is kind of in a way it's kind of obtuse you know like you and blow up there's a crime then he blows up the picture there's a murder there's a body, but it it never gets solved, you know, and that's just part of the film, you know. No, uh, it ends with a bunch of fucking clowns like miming tennis. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding, but you know what I'm saying. But it, it's yeah. true. Like the film yeah. ends very ambiguously. Like he, I'll, I'll, uh, hey, I found your ball, and I'm gonna throw it to you, you mimes. Yeah. <laughs> that's the ending of the movie. No, I know yeah. it's. Uh, I love that. That high the, uh, European art. Yeah, I love that. Uh, yeah, and it's great that sort of ambiguous ending. I think it's really interesting. These guys were inspired by that European kind of approach, but then they also were so tempted to solve the crime, you know. And so in Deep Red, he's like, "What if a blow up crime was actually solved?" And the same thing right. here for blow yeah. out is like, "What if the crime was actually solved?" So I think mm-hmm. that's kind of an interesting aspect for both yeah. the, the instinct there totally, for and, these American guys. Well, I guess yeah, Argento is Italian. And, and obviously, just to go back to the to that scene of the process, you know, you're talking about when he's syncing up, finding the sync point, editing the photo, taking the photo stats, and editing that to sound and picture. It's it's amazing, and it reminds me of kind of shout out to Friedkin too. He would have scenes like that a lot in his movies. I think of like to um, um, to live and die in L.A. The scene where oh, how to make the counterfeit money, and it's all this very oh, sexy yeah. montage oh, showing. You I have the one real, for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, French Connection making the dope, right? Yeah, exactly. Incredible. Yeah, <laughs> Good point. I, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, so 
that I do love. It's just it's amazing when you get to deconstruct a process like that and you get to see it. Um, mm-hmm. But also we know that uh, you know when he's making the flip book and he's looking through that magazine that that's clearly a reference to the Zapruder film. You know, uh, yep. yeah. concept of responding to you know the JFK assassination and kind of making his own version of that with that Life magazine article. Um, and you know that's that I do know was a big. Uh, you know, one of the main inspiration moments for this story it was sort of combining, you know, this with blow up or the JFK assassination idea conspiracy with mm-hmm. with blow up and also with a uh, real life story. You know, uh, when they were when he was when Brian was working on Dress to Kill, uh, they were in the mixing booth, you know, mixing the film. And it was literally him turning to his sound guy and saying, Dude, we've used that same fucking wind effect. And how many pictures have we used that same uh, really? wind effect? <laughs> Don't real? you got anything new? Yeah. Give and me so some new sound over uh, here. Yeah, right. New so wind. that was that was literally a conversation they had. No and kidding. so he, he told okay. them, Go out there and fucking record some new wind, you motherfucker. And so he <laughs> did and amazing. he and he went out in his backyard and did that. And so that so it's kind of combining all of those aspects. You know, and I know he's yeah. a big JFK nut too, for sure. So, can I just uh, mm. relate to that? And maybe we can sew up this little section where it's like, uh, it's one of the last '70s films. You know, we're dealing like the way Altered States was, and what I mean by that is this is in the still in the shadow of like all the president's men, and of course Watergate, yep. and it's very cynical, and uh, <laughs> it's like because that's what the JFK assassination wrought—not just the event happening of the president dying on television, basically. But yeah. just like who really did it and like why is this group of people killed and why was the killer killed on television? Mm-hmm. You know, and so uh, all this deep suspicion of cover ups and conspiracies. And this film is very much in that. But also it has this really sour take on America because yeah. mm-hmm. uh, of the obvious considered placement of it being Philadelphia and some weird like Liberty Day parade, which is yeah. that even real? The hell is yeah. that? Liberty <laughs> Day parade. I, don't I think he made it up. I don't know. But what I'm saying is like you, there's a shot in the film that's like ready for like, you know, being clipped in a book about <clears> like <throat> cynical seventies of yeah. his, his Jeep crashing into the parade with like oh. American flags everywhere. It's very bicentennial, but it's yeah. like a disaster. And of course, what's the name of the killer? You know, the Liberty Bell Strangler, you know, yeah. so there's this weird ultra yeah. sour take on like um, American iconography. Right. She's getting killed in front girl. of a giant flag behind her. You know, yeah. fireworks. Like Patton speech. Right. right. Yep. Exactly. Fireworks. Yeah. 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 So, so he's doing it's <laughs> yeah. like one last salvo of like mad, sour, mm. like baby boomer post Watergate 70s. And mm-hmm. he has that energy. I mean, he does have that yeah. uh, or, or, or roots in that. You know, Definitely. I mean, if you if, if if you go back and watch his '60s films, they are more they're less Hitchcock and they're more Godard. They're more yeah. like mm-hmm. um, angry, you know, anti-capitalist <laughs> sort of um, you know yeah. anti-racist films that are very angry and have a lot of angst. And so he does have that side to him for sure. About the you know? mm-hmm. like like generally speaking, like the, the very shared belief of like the hypocrisy. Of yes, America's smiley face, you know, right? And right. Uh, no, and it's a real like fuck you to like the bicentennial. That's a weird yeah. subtext <laughs> to blow out to look into. Liberty, yeah, the really. Liberty Day Parade. Yeah, anyway. it is. That, that yeah. is one of the things I really respond to in this movie. It does feel like the ultimate '70s movie in a way. Like it feels like oh, build up to this, you know, like the way, the grain, the film, just the look yeah. of it. But then also just the way it's shot, it feels like the '80s have really happened to oh, yeah. De Palma's style that. 
really um it was borrowed a lot by other filmmakers in the 80s that red specifically like the, the, red. the lighting where that's kind of red and blue yeah that which was just aped in so many films afterwards um you know neon noir 80s movies and then no, just cheap, totally. cheap uh you know sovs that light that way you know right but it's still got a taxi driver grit yeah definitely too. definitely right. and the the lighting too doesn't feel it's still motivated by whatever's going on in the scene you know like there's like a neon light or yeah it's a dark room or whatever it's got yeah, some yeah. sort of it's not just there's not just it's a house that happens to have like a yeah. red gel in it you know it's yeah. this, yeah, it's yeah. motivated it's by something yeah so it yeah. feels really yeah it feels it's a cusp good. movie back to more cusps, it is guys yeah. cusp cusp Yeah, um, it is. It is. It is. Um, it is, and and it is cool because it does forecast a lot of what would be more ubiquitous in the '80s, like as you said, with like those neon noirs, the sure. the sort of uh, snapper mm-hmm. movies, if you will, that would that would sort of follow it. But yeah, I mean, it, it really does right. tastefully balance that because really, I feel like a lot of filmmakers at this time are really re- going back into the '50s noir thing, like you know, Hard and the Hitchcock thing, and. Mm-hmm. He was obviously right at the forefront of that. Um, yeah. What one quick yeah. thing, just to put a bow on the sound mixing, you know, origin stories of this movie is that yeah. scene in the beginning when we first are introduced to John Travolta, and you know, of course, which we should talk about. But when we're sort of introduced and they're mixing the horror film, you know, after the gag with the bad scream and everything, mm-hmm. it is very reminiscent of another movie we've covered uh, on the show before, and I, I kept thinking about Modern Romance. Uh, another movie that came oh, out just totally. a year prior, same year, right? yeah, yeah, or same Sound year, effects. a year prior, or whatever. Um, <laughs> oh, and they're talking, year. yeah, and they're talking about the deconstruction of yeah, sound, and Hulk running, and you know all that stuff. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it should be uh, Hulk screaming. Oh yeah, yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, not Hulk running. Yeah, it's always it's fun cool. when movies get into m- the m- movies. You know, when movies mm-hmm. get in, although yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a good call. That's I know it's double it's, feature ever. It is. You could, <laughs> you could justify. You it. could do it. You could, but but it is cool because you see them like you know t- like taking the you know taking the knobs down and turning the levels down yeah. and seeing hearing the separation of everything of how it's being made and that's just a really cool like mm-hmm. yeah it's like you know it was a movie about movies but we're reminding you this is a movie and it's just a cool yeah. it's a cool it all works you know um, yeah, totally can, can I actually mention one last uh, if we're talking about like uh, the filmmaking aspect of the film and the set piece. Really, one of my favorites is the um, he's realizing that all of his tapes have been erased, and yeah, it's this epic. incredible, persistent 360 shot. Yeah, and the sonics of the the slight sound made of all the the sound of erasure. Yeah, mm-hmm. guys, the right? white noise. It's yeah, building. white noise. Yeah, yeah. It's mm-hmm. it's 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 obviously probably one of the most famous like Amazing. shots in the in his film or in his career. I think it's actually. It works on so many different levels. The idea of the camera revolving like a tape would, you know, hearing mm-hmm. the white noise layering upon itself is, you know, really amazing. Um, yeah, it, and it adds to the panic and the paranoia, like, you know, right. thematic wise, it, it just, it, it all works. And it's great too, because it's like, um, you know, to pull off a shot like that, I mean, you really have to like build a set, 
and you have to somehow not be in view, <laughs> you know? So yeah, I think right? they did shoot that where they built the set and then they were all like hanging out above the set, you know, like looking down on oh, it, as yeah. it as it was, you know, um, I don't know. It must have been on some motor or something. I'm not, I don't even know how they would operate. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. I'd love to. I'd love to see a publicity yeah. still or, oh, uh, yeah. uh, you know, a production still yeah. of that, you know? Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So I've a scene and one of the big set pieces. I agree. Yeah. All right. It's hard to overstate just how much just those little details of the technology that, that they use in the film that kind of delights you as an audience member, you know, like hitting into his little voltage meter and the graphics at the beginning, you know, yeah, like, opening credits, uh, the mod yeah. and the, uh, right. Do you see his like recording devices, Nagra, like a lot in it or like, um, yeah. There's, yeah, there's the sync dots that pop up on the screen when the girls are re recording the lines. Right. And right. you see the sync dots flash oh, yeah. up on the screen, you know? That's fun. Um, That's fun. Yeah. And, and uh, that, that opening title scene or opening credits is, is really fun, too, because you see another, you know, you, you see like another uh, De Palma trope, which is the idea of the split screen. You know, you're seeing that, which you've seen a lot. You know, he loves right. to juxtapose images and sort of have that as like his signature split screen thing, which he, he's he's pretty chill with that in this movie as opposed to other yeah, movies. It happens infrequently. I actually always welcome his split screens. Me, too. Just, uh, it's cool. It seems very playful, and it's actually more his thing. Like I don't, I can't think of who he's aping. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't think any classic filmmaker was into split screen like that. I can't, no, I I can't think of any offhand. Yeah, in yeah. a way, it's almost more closer to an avant-garde filmmaker technique. Like the Boston Strangler. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, maybe. Yeah, right. It happens once in a while. <laughs> it's so but, uh, cool. But it's not the signature of like Hitchcock for something, you know. Right. There's but the split well. screen, but then there's also like the split diopter stuff where they're like, shooting. Yep. It's like live, and they're shooting like they right. just yeah. have John Lithgow's face really close to the camera, yeah. and it's in focus. Then there's two people off talking, or and the they're in focus too. Like with so like the cool. picture like, of her, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a special t technique too. They have this glass that like allows you to kind of like yeah. a, like a to keep them both in focus on, in like a low weird light situation. There's, it, there's a band of out of focusness between them. Yeah, yeah, yeah but they they try to hide it, look. you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right, right. But it's like they get just to the edge. Like we we can't not have right yeah. there the little yeah. sliver of of out of focus. Yeah, I love it. It is cool because it's kind of like live multi screen or something. You yeah, know? Yeah, like yeah, live split Very screen. Hit. I think that's like look. a page of his his like Citizen Kane, you know, background because he doesn't mm -hmm. um, he actually doesn't like uh, depth of field, you know, focus like he, do, he doesn't like pulling focus or racking focus or having something out of focus, you know, in the background. You know, he likes it all in focus. Right. And so that's that's a big part of Citizen why Kane's famous because they uh, yeah. they had this deep focus lens that allowed everything to be in focus, right? Yeah. It was like really bright and so yeah. Yeah, very cutting sense. edge at the time. Um so yeah, let's just get into this. So John Travolta, we we sort of meet. I love the idea of a B movie sound guy as your me as your main character. As your so hero. fun. <laughs> as a hero, so fun. Um and of course we get to see you know, this is, you know, before Videodrome, you know, you get to see uh, a, 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 a great setting, like a shitty B-movie, horror movie office, right. which is, you right. know, and, and I used to work in one of those and I know what they look like and they kind of look like yeah, that. You do. <laughs> uh, you know. always, it's always manned by like a portly... Uh, yes. <laughs> like uh, cigar chomping uh, guy yep. about to have a coronary yelling at everybody. <laughs> Posters on the walls. That, that's oh, yeah. true to life, isn't it? It is. It is. Lots of posters on the walls. Yeah, Marcus, hundred percent. Got gotta love the 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 real movies, and I think maybe the fake movies that are there. You got a mixture of squirm, you know, iconic, yeah, yeah. amazing poster. Dude, I think they're all real. Are they when all I was real? A kid, I was 
when I was a kid, I was like, what the hell? But like, there is a porno called like Lure of the Triangle. Yeah, I was it's wondering like, about Lure on, like, of the, the Triangle. triangle. <laughs> Those are all real movies. I, yeah. Unless, no, I mean, I, I'm IDing all of them. They're all old yeah. weird movies. Yeah. It's what amazing. The, Bogey, uh, the Boogeyman. Synth- yeah, yeah, you got Boogeyman. Uh, you got uh, Without Warning. You know, Lure of the Triangle, yeah. LOL, amazing. But I love that setting. It's such a fun setting with the moviolas so in the background and all that shit. It's the, an- so the animation room, like yes. where it's like a clubhouse of the weird animator freak guys, and they yes. have like a skeleton with like Mickey Mouse head and love stuff. It. Like, love it. It's like uh, it's that kind of freak scene too. Like the tech guys. That reminds me of like you know the guy wearing the multicolored afro, like the the radio tech in talk radio. Right. Yep. We love like kind of like like rock and roll boomer all nighter kind of like mm-hmm. like uh, tech pro guys like it has yes. that we don't really meet them but it's implied yeah that it's like 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 uh, movie lone cowboys gunman. yeah totally What's that? The, I was just thinking like like the lone gunman you know from the X Files I don't know um, <laughs> so yes um, but yeah so then another thing that I admire with this movie very much and we talked about this. Um, and one of the other episodes we did recently, I can't remember which, but the idea of like the filmmaker throwing you right into the movie right away. Mm-hmm. Like as soon as the opening credits are fucking done, we're basically here. Here, here he is. He's out there filming new wind sound effects, you know, practically out in the woods. And here's here's this very cinematic scene where and it's great because it's it works on so many levels with this movie in particular because it's drawing your attention to sound. Uh, you hear the owl, you hear the frog, and then of course we find out it comes full circle as we hear the garrot watch that uh, um, John Lithgow plays with later on in the. In I want, where the, do you get one of those, by the way? I know that'd <laughs> no, be a killer merch it, item. Yeah, <laughs> my birthday's coming up. You know, yeah. it's, a key, it's just a key ring holder, yeah. I think. Right? <laughs> yeah. Is it? Who kn- I don't know. I don't know. On your watch. No, it's not. Um, Go ahead. But he, but like that sound you're introduced to in that in that moment, right? When he's recording, he's doing the field recordings, and then later on, when John Lithgow is like, you know, at whatever fucking Penn Station or whatever it's called, and he's mm-hmm. like, you know, he plays with it, like, oh, that was the sound. So he was in the bushes and stuff like that. Very cool. Mm-hmm. So the sound. I love the scene where Travolta's point. sitting and like recapping all that too, like oh, the next day, and he's. He's got the pencil, like he's conducting, you know. Oh, and that's it's, so good. It's like, and you're, you're, cue you're, the you're owl, cue the frog. Right, you're seeing what he's, what the sound is making him remind, is reminding him of, mm-hmm. and the pencil is in place of the uh, directional mic. And, yeah, in yeah. his performance there. Yeah, you know, I um, love that. One yeah. thing De Palma was pointing out uh, uh, was that Travolta, you know, he's a, obviously a very good dancer. You know, he could move, so his movements are really graceful. So when you photograph him, like everything he's doing, like looks very good. You know, so yeah, even just him like twirling that pencil has this like yeah. graceful, yeah. you know, curves yeah. to it. Lilt. Yeah, yeah. It well, kind of harkens back to an era where you know actors had where the we've talked about the triple threats before actors that could sing, dance, and yeah, and and act. And they have and, the Travolta. Yeah. Total package. Um, But the thing is, uh, with those two scenes, with him recording the field recordings and then having the sort of memory recall when he's playing it back, uh, it's very cool in, you know, the choice of how he decided to film that because the first time around, you are basically focused on Travolta as he's moving the microphone you know, you're sort of, you know, pretty we're, we're pretty much on him. We see those really cool kind of like reverse Hitchcock, like where the shots get wider, you know, when they kind of pull out with these kind of cuts, these like punk rock cuts. You know, it's pretty right. cool. 
uh, punk rock punch outs. Um, and then, uh, and then uh, 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 when he's recalling it, then we're now seeing all the information a second time, but we're seeing it from his point of view. So we're seeing the mm. things that he saw. We're seeing, uh, you know, uh, the close up of the tire, and we're seeing the close up of the owl and the close up of the frog, and the things we saw from his perspective. So it's cool that he approaches those two different moments in the film from two different stylistic like ways. That is awesome, yeah. and it's, yeah. it's it's executed well. It respects the audience. You know, it's not like yeah. he doesn't have a line where he's like. That's that owl I heard. Yeah, like, yeah. I wonder what that garrote sound is. You know, he's yeah. not narrative. It's just it's respectful of the right, audience right. and lets you make the connections. And show don't tell. Yeah, very fun. Very 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 fun. Is there a chance? As you know, the clock is is brutally ticking here. Um, sure. We did reference Lithgow a few sure. times now. Yeah. Can we just like hundred percent on Lithgow because sure. he steals the movie for me. <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah. Or or also just his scenes. That you know, De Palma is yeah. helming. Um, he's <clears> terrifying. And I'll just put it this way: uh, I saw this. I saw him first in this film, and then I'd see Lithgow for like ten years later, and I was like, not laughing if he's making a joke, or he wasn't heartwarming, or he wasn't like kind. He was that awful, psychotic nightmare person with that fucking like <laughs> white guy face, you know, right. like. Um, and just what the, I'll just here's my favorite Lithgow moment, and leave it up to you guys. Is he's on the phone. He's the fake, uh, oh. you know, telephone repairman. He's on the phone. He's calling uh, the police, and he's got uh, a dead face, total sociopathic face. Oh. But he's going, "She made me do it. They all make me do it." You know, like. But don't listen to her. She made me do it. Okay, just tell me where you are. Where? He's just saying the kind of thing that the psycho would say who's killed without you know, emoting yeah <laughs> Visually. right right exactly so yeah. he's like no they you're gonna tell on me because i tell on them you know and he's got this crazy <laughs> sort of cry voice going but he's got this completely deadpan incongruous uh unconnected dead sociopath face and then they're going like sir do you want to where are you do you want to maybe some help and he's like and he just like calmly hangs up and he, that voice is gone he never had the face that the voice was implying yeah Holy shit. shit. Anything? Yeah. yeah. Well, we should talk about just like his character. I mean, it's, the idea of his character is insane. You know, and as we learn as the movie unfolds, the idea that, you know, he's kind of going rogue with whatever the conspiracy plan mm -hmm. is. Like, he's just going to fucking, well, kill this presidential candidate. You know, why the fuck not? And then he's going to now, you know, kill other women that look like Nancy Allen. Um, just so it looks like it's part of some serial looks killer. Like the, that the city is being struck in by the Liberty Bell Strangler. Yeah, you know? so that's freaky. Like the Zodiac Killer or whatever, yeah. yeah. No, but yeah. come on, that performance. Like, like, oh, it's insane, yeah. It chills it's, me to the bone. That's the yeah. best sociopath rendering I've ever seen. It's pretty good. Oh, it's That's great. not the only scene. There's the other scene in the in the in the train depot. That well, we there's also about. the really? scene uh, in the mall where where it's where he's following the woman from the mall that he thinks is Nancy Allen, and then we go into this fucking like construction site dirt mound, and he's picked oh, up the awful. ice pick and he's so and he's scary. stabbing her with the ice pick. Well, no, no, he seems, looks over yeah. and sees the advert for the Liberty Bell, and he's That's like. Right. The clocks Bingo. or the, the the gears are winding in his head, and, and he just starts, of course, uh, mutilating her uh, with the demented. shape of the Liberty Bell in her stomach. And 
That is really awful. Like really today, demented. 2023. Yeah. Like that is heavy bad news. And it's really sold <laughs> by Lithgow's face, by his performance, in my yeah. opinion. You know what I mean? Totally. It just shows you the power of a strong performance as a killer instead of just some stupid uh, horror movie uh, performance, you know? He's got yeah. such a psychotic career, too, because it's like he's either playing a psycho killer guy really effectively or like a comedic goofball dad, you know? Like, yeah. I, the first movie I ever saw him in was Harry and Henderson's, you know? So yeah. this, like, goofy dad quality. And then seeing him, it's like playing, like, cold-blooded killers and stuff. And then and then come back to play, like, Third Rock from the Sun or right. something. It's, just, it's so, right. like, uh, it's well, that weird... Uh, I'm... Know, very excited for you guys to see Raising Kane with me because that's like Lithgow yeah. times 25 because he plays like, you know, three <laughs> different. Up. He, he plays different schizophrenic people and different personalities. And it's right. It's, I've caught some of it's, that. Yeah. It's Lithgow over Ricochet. Oh, I, we got to do note. that. We're going to do that. Yeah, Ricochet is a lot of fun. We're going to do... Okay, anyway, so so yeah, also in De- I'm embarrassed to say he's also psycho in, in Dexter. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, you love Dexter. Okay, we'll move on. Um, so uh, I also wanted to say, though. so there's, there's um, Lithgow, the performance, but then also, again, how De Palma handles those scenes. And Marcus mentioned this earlier, the really grim, grim, Ooh. grim Ooh. murder of the prostitute in the, uh, the bathroom stall of the train station it's like maniac. i could barely handle that you know and, yeah. and and her encounter with that sailor in the phone booth <laughs> holy shit it's so violent and yeah it's you know, ugly the, ugh, it's really <laughs> ugly and vile yeah 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 no totally and it's it is like uh his his performance uh in that moment where you know she's in the one phone booth and then he's in the other yeah. one and he puts up the 20 you know on, yeah. the, on the glass and he goes like yeah, I know. It's, it's like ugh. what a nightmare. Oh, no. It is. And, so and she's bad. perfect. Whoever that actress is, she's like perfect. Gives a big fake smile, and then she turns her head, and it's just nothing. Blank expression. Yep. Kind of like him. Yeah. And they're yeah. both like uh, that, just dead inside. It's a nightmare. It's that it's like booth the worst rocking back hell. and forth. Oh God, for like forever too. You know, it's like yeah. It's so wrong. As a kid, being like, "Is that what sex is supposed to be?" No. <laughs> you know, it's like so weird. Oh, well, you mean with the the sailor too? Like the, the sailor, yeah. the sailor, yeah, yeah. 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 And it's so ugly. He's like, "That was worth ten bucks, baby doll, or whatever." <laughs> right. It's just. Uh, I mean, Horrible. it works, and I think it's 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 just about as sleazy as Hollywood gets. In a yeah, way. her brushing that, her that teeth whole, like in the bath. In yeah. in the bathroom yeah. and like that, just like whole inner working of that. And after then, after performing oral sex in that <laughs> stupid sailor, I know, it's really great. It's and it's in a bathroom, like at a yeah. fucking train, train station. station. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, oh. think about yeah. that. Let it that, is lurid. Let that, uh, settle. It it's is really sick and lurid. It's, yeah. anyway, it I just want to give a shout out to that. That's about as yeah. Narlsberger oh. as it gets. You know, shit. I'm just looking at my notes. Um, if we can move on, just clock. Yeah, Notes. rock and roll, rock and roll. Uh, one other really fucking great scene in this movie is uh, when uh, he finally is able to get Nancy Allen, who, like I said, was De Palma's wife at the time. She gives a great performance in this movie. Again, Travolta reuniting with her as in, you know, they were they were together in Carrie, so that's cool. Right. Um, they get to work together again. and um, But there's a great sequence where, uh, you know, they kind of go out for the first time and they're getting to know each other at this bar in Philly. It's really cool. Just another great little cinematic, gritty, you know, location yeah. and set piece. And he basically talks about his origin story and what how he broke Dude. into the movies. 
And this is a great little fucking 70s movie within a movie. <laughs> you know, another movie know. within a movie. I know. It's like the best uh, Goodfellas scene that didn't happen suddenly <laughs> yeah, totally. magically appears in 1981 in Blowout. You know what I think of is I actually think of Prince of the City is what I think about um, okay. when yeah, I see totally. this. Because it is obviously like, you know, police corruption, you know, uh, type investigating, which is big around that time. And um, yeah, yeah. yeah, so he, he basically wires up a guy who's going to go in there and he's going to, you know, rat on his partners. And uh, as he's doing it, he's getting nervous and he's sweating and it's causing the mic to short out and burn through his skin. It's like, hey, hey, pull over. I got to take a piss. Yeah, and he's like dying. Because yeah. there's like a square shape of battery acid that's melting into his flesh, and he's like like barely able to like uh, yeah. form a sentence. Yeah, he's racing to the bathroom to tear this thing off his body. It is so. See, there you go. There's an urgency to this, yeah. even this small scene, and, and yep. it makes De Palma just really kick in it and does. show some really good uh, chops with his pacing. And it's so grim, and you're kind of yeah. rooting for the guy, mm -hmm. and you're also identifying with Travolta because, by proxy, he's killing this guy because he made the error of not anticipating yes. the sweat, mm -hmm. as he said, and um, and that of course is you know like uh, the origin story for like his um, miking her, like he's yeah, sorry, her. And well, and later in the movie when he's miking her. Right. Yeah. yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's yeah, sort but of also his motivation like, you know, like, for to, wanting to solve the crime. Yeah, and well, to and correct like, the error. Right. Like, yeah. And like he, he can't let the Nancy Allen character slip out of his finger. Right. And also teeing up the tragedy for the end. Right. Yeah. yeah because, right. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, and it yeah. ends in the bathroom again. How about them apples? Yeah. <laughs> well. Yeah. Exactly. And so right, the guy's hanging from like his own wire from you the know, cord. Um, yeah. yeah. From the cord. which is part of the goofy humor. It is that I guess I like about De Palma. You know. Yeah. Like, um, and mobsters, like, by what? the way. They have a sick. Well, yeah, mobsters would your, do that. Here's right. your fucking wire right here, asshole. Yeah, I got yeah. your wire right here, pal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Working great. <laughs> yeah, Hello. Yeah, yeah. Right. Testing right. one, two, three. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, that would have been like a Tarantino thing, yeah. you know. Actually, Tarantino yeah. would do that and yeah. have no restraint. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. New Jersey, you ready for the greatest band yeah. in the world? Kiss. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> but anyway, rock and let's talk in this radio. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, but ahead. it but it is good because it does add like a nice tension to the movie because yeah. Yeah. it also creates, which is cool, and this is where the cynical side is coming out too, because there is a detective in this movie uh, who doesn't give a shit about uh, uh, John Travolta's, you know, uh, quest and his what mm -hmm. his evidence that he's bringing to light. And that's uh, De Palma's given. I think that th that detective character is almost maybe De Palma's voice a little bit, where he's basically saying, yeah. "Yeah, so who cares? Yeah, all this stuff you got here, like, yeah, someone shot his tire, he's dead. Who right. gives a shit? You know?" And it is kind of like that that cynicism around even the JFK it's, assassination. It's, yeah, yeah, no, it's pitch black cynicism. It's like, yes, you know, in the end of the day. None of this fucking matters. So just like, <laughs> yeah, put your head, keep your head down and get back to work. Yeah. Can I just do a tiny little thing? I just thought of just today. Uh, as far as origin story for the Travolta character, he is that kid in Dress to Kill, like yeah, grown up. up. Mm. Isn't right. that nuts? I mean, not literally, of course. But like the, the guy, it was Keith Gordon. I love yeah. that character in. Me too. In it, and he's into tr you know, trinkets and, 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 and gadgets and everything shit. like that. Yeah. Yeah. And he's he does surveillance too. Of uh, the Michael Caine character, right. and so like I don't know what that is. That's probably like the soul of De Palma, <laughs> yeah. 
is yeah. this nerdy little boy who like mm. has tape recorders of his neighbors, you know. Mm-hmm. So well, I guess it's water, know, but, Watergate there. seeping into the brain too, maybe. Yeah, no, but it's yeah. like there's something about like I know the adolescence what you mean. of the director. There's something because he he deeper. talks about he talks about or Travolta in that same moment when he's talking conversing with Nancy Allen about his origin story. He says, "Yeah, that was exactly. me. I, I was a kid, you know, tinkering with radios and doing exactly. this and doing that." Mm. And then she's like, you know, you know, so that is again keith gordon but it, it could be you know de palma too just to kill i love yeah. that you know because that well they're all travolta of, yeah exactly i mean they're all also, uh, de palma. yeah because that makes him sort of like a aficionado with you know tech and putting it all together yeah and, and, and when he was a young them. director he shot his own camera you know and the, you know he used his own gear so i think yeah that makes that makes true for sure yeah but i think and, and this is where this is just a tiny side note with all this like I think Pauline Kael got a little ahead of herself on this, but like she was saying, there's an there's an arc, overarching theme of like how uh, you you these men invest in technology to save themselves and to save in the circumstance the, the people at, at risk, and the technology won't save you. It's not a yeah. salvation, and she was kind wow. of a lot into that. Right, right. And mm. That helped me actually to understand the ending a little bit better about how um, he's re- too reliant on tech and less on people, and how um, technology. Is a comfortable place because it is perfect and it's all like how you set it up and you know you're in total control but then people are wildly variable and you can't you're unpredictable and and even your hired killer can go rogue and become the liberty bell strangler you know so right i don't know she was making that observation i thought it was kind of interesting he puts her life at risk to go you know he was he's so obsessed with solving the crime he puts her life at risk even though he's fucked up once before and knows it's he knows it you know and still does it anyway yeah it's kind of interesting i liked i liked that that she was they didn't have a romantic relationship i thought that was really you know um, sure yeah, uh, refreshing. But I guess that's part of it too, because that allows him to put her in harm's way. That he, you know, that she is just sort of like a. I don't think he cares about her that much. You know, he well, I mean, he saved her. her I no, mean, he, he saved cares about her. her. He likes. I mean, her. He, they he, I mean, I mean, he also saves her from the car wreck in the beginning. Well, there's that. You know, yeah, which true. is which is a big, Ooh, uh, you know, moment. from and Dennis Franz would not have. Another little side note, yeah. shouts to Dennis Franz, everybody. Great. Hello. Oh, yeah. yeah As absolutely. like the, 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 the sleaziest man alive. Right? <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah, I know. Yeah, mustard stains guy <laughs> yeah. for sure. Love it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah he's, he's great in this. Two quick things I want to just, two little last, as the clock is dying here, things I want to get in. One is the ending and one is a little crazy fact, behind the scenes factoid. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the ending of the movie, <clears throat> I guess the studio hated, not surprised. Uh, um, oh, yeah. They thought that the ending was a bad idea in terms of, you know, having her die in the end and everything. Yeah. And uh, the movie did terrible. It, it, it did. It did bomb. I guess it was a bomb it, box office wise. And, and uh, he, he it, Brian De Palma, he has believed he, he believed that it was in part because of the ending. But he wanted to make an ending that would, you know, stand the test of time, which I do think it does. Because it is it is shocking that, you know, he goes all the way with Nancy Allen dying. And then, again, more cynicism. What do we get out of this? Well, now it's just she's just this fucking scream in a shitty horror film. It's a good scream. It's a good yeah. scream. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's well, it's, it's almost like it's it's like a, yeah. it's like not a Hitchcock movie, but like a Hitchcock like a, like TV show or short story, you know, like like you were saying before, like your dad, like twist endings, Marcus, you know, that kind yeah. of thing. Or it's Twilight like, Zone. Yeah. Twilight right. Zone, yeah. Exactly. You know, yeah. Or um, like an EC comic. EC comic ending. It's like an EC yeah, comic no, ending. No, that's exactly like the last yeah. panel is like. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, good scream. Yay, like no, the good corpse, the, the coffin's empty or whatever. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They were really conjoined twins the whole time. Yeah, that's that's my right. favorite. Um, but um, yeah. So for me, the only part that I do chuckle at when I watch this movie, it's really my only complaint, my small complaint with the movie, but it's fine. Okay, whatever is yeah. just that. It's a good scream. It's good. Good, good scream. Good, good scream. Good scream. I like yeah. his performance. <laughs> like I, I hear you. Like I got less I distracted by the ending and just watched his performance when I watched it again the other day. It's, good it's like he, that's a, that's a Travolta you don't see too often. And I think it's actually. I know this sounds nuts, but I think it's a Travolta that um, uh, Tarantino picked up on in, for Pulp Fiction. Actually, mm-hmm. I don't know if I can articulate it very well, but it's a kind of a, a quiet, more like. Like what Help Fred Durst saw for the fanatic, maybe. Uh, that's what <laughs> uh, the fan, yeah. the, the fan like, or yeah. fanatic. That's or what Fred Durst was trying to get out of Japan. <laughs> right. Last scene in Blowout. Uh, yeah, it's a good scream. It's a good scream. Um, well, I, I don't hear it as him being like Chef's Kiss. Like, oh, that's a good scream. You know, like I think it's more like he's on autopilot, going like, yeah, good scream. But he's oh, he's, he's, lost. He's, he's in yeah yeah, and he's yeah, he's, he's lost in thought thinking about what it's the horrible thing that just, just happened. a little hand. His it's reality little, has been has blown his mind, it and is. he thinks that the world is pitch black and there's no yeah. escaping it. And technology, yeah. nothing will help you. Right. He can't come out and tell that director like, yeah, but then I murdered the killer or whatever. You know, he has to keep all that stuff a secret. No, I, just I, happened, I, but I think right, he's like so. existentially just gone. You know, like that too. His mind has been blown by the darkness of the universe. The- encapsulated in this in this moment because well there's that great shot that evokes that too that amazing shot where he's listening to the tape in with the snow falling and it's like this kind of crane shot coming in and he's just listening to the tape and it's a perfect like side profile of him and it's it's awesome um real quick too um i mean we'll just put a bow on it for me it's just like it's it's his performance i wish he just made it a little more subtle then like okay. good scream. That's the only thing. But um, okay. that's my only little you. nitpick. I just wish it was dialed down a little less Travolta. You know, or maybe probably. it wasn't a close up, or just something that was something. there was a little restraint somewhere in, in the choices. Because because yeah. I because I it's remember not, seeing it in New York, like on the big screen, and and people were chuckling, you know, at that moment. Wow, so, you know, right? Okay. But well, that's not the fair because we've had like forty more years of Travolta, fifty years of Travolta afterwards to process that. That's through, true. You know, that's true. That's true. Um, he was kind of a goof. He was fresh off of Welcome Back, Cotter, and he's making this movie. So, yeah, right. it's. I think it will. He had Saturday Night Fever, right? He was a big star, wouldn't he? By this point, definitely. But I mean, yeah, just, hello, yeah. the biggest star in Hollywood. Fuck yeah! It is amazing that he signed on to do this movie I know. at this time. Doesn't make any sense. No, at all. I agree. It was taking a chance because he could have yeah. kind of. He, he could have done what he wanted to. And I think what I think it was a signifier uh, for him to evolve as an actor and do a yeah. more mature role yeah. in a more in a darker yeah. film. Sure. And I think he like relished that challenge. Is that kind of turn that you know yeah. like Jim Carrey would do like a yeah. slasher film like in the <laughs> early two thousands or so, something. Yeah, 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 yeah. You for know? sure. The number twenty seven or whatever. Twenty three. Yeah. Twenty three. Isn't that isn't that the BTK killer's favorite movie? I think it is. All right. Um, real you quick. I do. Uh, Ramy knows. Uh, real quick. Um, amazing behind the scenes story insane thing i did not realize until today when i was looking into this mm-hmm. while they're finishing the movie um part of the negative of the movie was stolen during uh when that w- when when the tr- when a truck was transporting reels of the negative from new york to la to be cut uh the wow. truck pulled in to some 
parking spot. The back was open. Someone broke in and just started taking random boxes, thinking they were like goods, but it was actually the negative to yeah. the movie, of pieces of it. And okay. um, <clears throat> so De Palma and his editor had to go and assess what was missing, and they actually had to call everybody back up and reshoot oh a fucking whole set piece that was missing forever. And guess what it was? It was the yeah. fucking car chase scene. Uh, <laughs> The complicated parade car chase stuff. Oh, we were talking about with before the, with the helicopter Liberty Day parade with the helicopter God, of all stuff, the things to like have to of redo all thousands the of extras. Yeah, <laughs> that's such hell. But everybody was so, like, "Are oh you my saying God. that somebody in some basement yeah. in Arkansas, like Little Rock, Arkansas, <laughs> yeah. is the original yeah. footage yes. of the original yes. parade?" Yes. Wow. So, so he had to get everybody together, and they all rallied though, because everybody was like, "Okay, this is unfucking precedented." So everybody did like yeah. Travolta. Everybody flew in and did their piece. Mm. Uh, uh, that's cool. Um, they could have uh, changed Zygmunt, the script, and I'm glad they didn't. You know, exactly. They stayed true. Uh, um, uh, Vilmos Zygmunt, uh, who was the DP, shout out to him. The movie looks great. Um, so he he couldn't yeah, come beautiful. back to shoot it. So they got somebody else, but pretty amazing. Um, but dude, uh, it's just it's yeah. So anyway, um, there you go. My tiny shout out. Yeah. is uh, love seeing the depiction of whatever Philadelphia's version of 42nd Street is. Yeah, the sleazy area with uh, Dennis France and the and the, where the production company is. The what neon. is that neighborhood? Tell I us. I don't know. Put the, us in the, the comments. 42nd Street of Philadelphia in the 80s. What is Help it? Us. The the pork hoagie section. Yeah. Uh, all right, everybody. Yeah, 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 yeah. The poor boy section. <laughs> poor boy ho- hoagies. Um, all right, everybody. That was. Yeah, uh, <laughs> one fucking hour on on Blue Oot. Um, what a movie! Get a, I love that movie. Yeah, it was. It, it is. It's a. It's a fucking. It's a really fun revisit. If you haven't watched it in a while, or if you haven't seen it at all, get on that shit. Um, definitely one of my favorite De Palmas for sure. Um, so there you have it, guys. Thanks for choosing that one. I mean, it could have swayed the other yeah. way. We could be doing a totally different episode if three people didn't hit that vote button. So that's how wow. important it is <laughs> to vote. We could have been doing my dinner with Andre right now. <laughs> 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 I'm kidding. That was not yeah. one of the choices. Hey, you know what's crazy about okay. that? is um you know we were talking about working in old exploitation you know film companies with wood paneled walls and film posters on the walls like i did at trauma did you know that that um, my dinner with andre was edited in the trauma offices <laughs> <laughs> i did not know that how about that how wow. about that little film wow, it's amazing i said that yeah there you go Holy sh- yeah, yeah like basically Something's- what you're seeing in blowout those halls like yeah. someone's like uh yeah, I'm working on uh, Real 7 right now, and <laughs> yeah. uh, we're going to order dessert, yeah. so uh, <laughs> yeah. wish me luck. Holy yeah. shit. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, lo- I love be- that movie, all kidding aside. It's no, a, totally. I'm a big totally. fan of that. So, Something must be in uh, the That's yeah. very strange. So we got Something, like yeah. My Dinner with Andre in one room and like Toxic Avenger in the other. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Or yeah, who knows? Jesus. Yeah, exactly. What else? Yeah. Uh, fat Guy yeah. Goes Nutsoid was being cut uh, oh, next God. week. <laughs> all right. Um, so... All right, there you go, everybody. Uh, again, that was awesome, but good good segue into next week. Uh, I wanted mm-hmm. to mention this at the top of the show, but not to toot my own birthday horn uh, or anything, but this week actually uh, is my birthday um, uh, that we are recording this. Um, but since we're engaged in this program of you know finishing our summer series all the way to the end of September... You know, doing the corresponding years with the episode numbers and whatnot. Um, I'm going to. Should we table- be clear with people? Like, we're wrapping this up because we're going to have a crazy horror October. Oh yeah. So that's there's right. only a few more uh, 1980s years here. Two more, and then we're going to wrap this up. Two more. 
We're going to wrap it up. So I don't want to cut into that, lose any of the momentum there, because then we're going to have October with all four horror movies right, that we'll exactly. do for one fucking Tober, uh, part two, mm-hmm. of course. <clears throat> um, so I'm going to table my birthday pick, because here on the show, you know, and when, it, when it's your birthday week, you get to pick uh, a movie for us to do as an episode with no notes from anything. the other. Anything. It could be no anything. Notes. No notes. Um, Live I'm without gonna, a net, as Van Halen <laughs> used to say. Right. <laughs> Hagar. Yeah. Um, so Hagar. I will um, table my pick uh, for the first week of November. So I'm going to, even though this week is my birthday, first week of November will be my top secret birthday pick. We'll get into that <laughs> when we get there. Uh, so it's, just one, it's, uh, it's fat goy, fat guy goes nutsoid, right? <laughs> fat goy goes nutsoid. Remake is rare Israeli shot. Fat goy goes nutsoid. All right, enough. Okay. Um, yes. Uh, understood. Yes. Yeah, so you're deferring. Yes. The Evan yes. birthday pick. I am. I am in, part of the in favor of the annual pick of the for summer. After this rhythm yes. of the years yes. per episode uh, and the polling. Yeah. Hardcore horror. Mm-hmm. Uh, fucktober. What do we call it? Uh, one fucking tober. Uh, fucking tober. Yeah. And then your birthday. Then my birthday. And then, and then God knows what, man. We got a lot of stuff planned. You know, uh, can I say, I don't remember the last film we did before we started this journey, this nightmare of uh, a different <laughs> yeah. year each week. With I think Poland. it was. Was um, it Lucifer Rising? It was. It was. It was it Marcus's was. birthday. It was my birthday. Yeah. Right. Right. So we, we only film. do year movies and birthday birthdays. And, and yeah. birthdays. Yeah, exactly. So but, uh, no, I, it's like I can't even remember. Like we used to pick a movie. Yeah. And then just say, let's do this movie. <laughs> yeah. And it could be 1966 or 95. Yeah. It's like yeah, like yeah, I know. It's uh, crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. So stay tuned for all that shit. But let's talk about next week because ne- next week is going to be. Episode 82, of course, a movie from 1982. So you all know how this works um, to participate. We're doing polls. You guys vote on the movie uh, for next week. So if you're watching this right now within the first 24 hours of this episode being live, you have an opportunity to head over to our Instagram page at one fucking hour. Click on the stories and there you can vote uh, for one of these four movies from 1982 that we'll be covering next week. A uh, little preamble into what our approach is going into picking these 1982 films. A couple things. Mm-hmm. One is 1982 is the big one of the big blockbuster years um, of cinema. So, of course, we did a total on-brand one-fucking-hour thing. Let's do the opposite of that. You know, let's not uh, <laughs> cover all We're these movies. We're not going to do E.T., yeah right right for instance we're not doing et and we wanna we wanna you know we have gone big uh i think last week was kind of going big or this week rather was going big and i think we like the kind of we we like the dynamic of going big and small and big and small so i think what we're gonna do is we're gonna flip the script and we're gonna go more indie with our 1982 Mm -hmm. picks plus because i don't know what the hell to add to talk about john carpenter's the thing i mean i love it that would be like One here's us with second. the thing. Like it's we're forty minutes in. Like, yeah, uh, special effects are pretty crazy. And those <laughs> yeah, dogs. Did we talk about the dogs? We yeah. did talk about the dogs. The opening is yeah. great. I mean, the dog. No, how I, the dog no, I know. In. It's just like it's all right. You know, it's a great I know. movie. So, but yeah, yeah, great like, movie. I don't yeah. know what I'd say. I really don't. Not not yet. Maybe down the line when we're out of movies, we'll go circle back to it. But we're just more I, in the mood to like uh, churn small. up some fresh dirt. Yeah, let's do that. Sorry. So. So that's our approach, um, and uh, so these movies are a little on the deeper cut side. 
Um, but that's why we're going to help you out. Uh, so you kind of should, if you don't know any of these movies, what sounds interesting to you? What do you think would be interesting to know more about and to watch, you know, perhaps get a pre-watch in and then follow along with us? What That's the way I would approach this poll rather than like, yeah. fuck these guys. The like, thing isn't on like it. Maybe, right, exactly. Maybe you've never seen it, uh, but it sounds intriguing. Try to track right. it down. Yeah. You know, most things are in some form. I think all these are streaming. trackable. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're not yeah. like that obscure. Exactly. No, no. And um, <laughs> yeah, and uh, or, or no. you might be a fan of one or two of these or all of them. Sure. You know, so. Yeah. We yeah. don't know what's going on. Here. We don't know what the exactly. fuck's going so, on. So here yeah. we go. Oh, and we also decided to omit the horror movies like Poltergeist right. and The Thing because one fucking Tober is right around the corner and we're going to be like yeah. growing out our neck beards. We're going to be fucking, you know, <laughs> like going Fangoria nutso over here. Yeah. So, yeah. so we figured let's just get some non-horror in before the horror comes on strong. So another yeah. approach yeah. to Would the you list. you like some horror with your horrors? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Excessive. Yeah. 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 We're not exactly. those kind of guys. <clears throat> We're not. So, um, okay. Here are the choices. Option number one. Ooh, this would be fucking awesome if it wins. Um, everybody knows I'm a big Ted Kacha fan. We did uh, one fucking hour on Wake and Fright uh, earlier on in the summer program. That was our uh, episode for 71. Um, this, is, uh, this is his um, 82 flick. Um, he has a pretty crazy 82 because he's got a monster movie that he made and he's got this movie, which is much smaller. Um, mm. But it stars James Woods, and we, we love a good, juicy it's, James Woods performance. You love James Woods. You got to sign up for this one, yeah. Because yeah. he gives the performance of all the James Wood performances. <laughs> he does. Yeah. He gets yeah. real filthy in this movie. Uh, we're yeah. talking about one fucking hour on Split Image, um, which is amazing because it is uh, based on. I think it's based on Ted Patrick, who is kind of the most famous cult deprogrammer. Um, yeah, you know, I hung out with him once, by the way, with Ted Patrick. I, that's right. Yes, I'm not even. Oh. Making, I went to his house. Oh, wow. That's yeah, another. Well, that's well, her, well, well if this gets picked, maybe we'll talk about it. Holy yeah, shit. He's a so, sweet guy. Very nice. Oh, amazing. So, yeah. So, um, yes. So, Split Image. Uh, James Woods plays a cult deprogrammer, uh, basically going in and kidnapping uh, lost uh, children for their parents, <laughs> trying yeah. to break and uh, then, from, and from a cult from a cult that is run by... Peter, Peter Fonda, Fonda. everyone's yeah. favorite here. Yeah. Uh, easy Riders, Peter Fonda, and he yep. and he does just what you would hope that he would do as as a cult leader, Peter Fonda. You know, yeah. uh, aging boomer in like a yeah, you know, like a white uh, like white robes. It's Tinted awesome. Sunglasses. It's very fun. It's it's not the most realistic depiction of both the cult and the and the uh, deprogramming, but it's a very um, but it but it's very fun and it's very dramatic and and it has um, a lot of. Uh, like cinematic flair to it uh, in both again the programming and deprogramming and yeah. um, it's an it's an unknown gem it really deserves it's a gem. To still to this day uh, it's a gem. deserves more attention it's a gem yeah, yeah. so split images split option image. number 1 option number 2 is a film i feel like we've talked about many times on the show or referenced its mm-hmm. filmmaker uh, tom in particular i know you're a fan so tell us a little bit about what one fucking hour on chan is missing would be like oh yeah yeah chan is missing um it's um Wayne Wang film, 1982, saw it in a theater uh, as a kid, and um, it's basically just uh, one of those real gems where uh, it's black and white, yeah. it's set in um, Chinatown, and it's, uh, and it's made by a person who is an Asian American, so there's 
no sort of outsider, silly, mm-hmm. grotesque depiction yeah. of uh, you know the, the Asian life uh, in, in a typical urban Chinatown, and um, but it has sort of a different take on things where it's about like. Uh, the stereotypes have kind of been deconstructed and mm-hmm. um, you know there's people who are uh, like Asian people maybe are this way or they're that way or another way or they're not like this or they're like that and it just has a very fresh take on um, a world that for many people is especially back then in 1982 completely unknown and it, and it has kind of a nod to uh, noirs but it also is sort of a, a, an art film and kind of has French New Wave influences where um, there's well like we're talking about earlier tonight like there's sort of a thriller narrative to it but not really who is chan is he missing what's going on who you know like Mm -hmm. so it's more um uh of an art house film that uses the tropes of the the uh mystery and uh and really gets you in the middle of uh, a world that is closed off for most people and probably still is kind of to to today even yeah um yeah i love chan very 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 influential yeah, and Scorsese, big fan, uh, Marcus. Oh yeah, I was just starring Wood Moy, who was the dry cleaner in Invasion of the Body Snatchers. <laughs> oh, yeah. right. She much the, better. She now. much better now, guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he gives, but he's, but he was great in Body Snatchers, and he gives a great performance. Yeah. And Chan is missing. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, uh, yep. The guy's real acting chops, and um, it's just, it's just a very small. It really is the definition of a small independent film, and it's quiet. It's low key. It's a comedy. But, uh, you know, and it's actually right before even something like um, John Lurie or something like that later in the 80s. Yeah. You know what I or mean? Jarmusch. Yeah, totally. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, exactly. Like our, uh, it, it's, it's, it predates all that stuff. It's a yeah, gem. It is. All right. Let's, uh, that's option number two. Option number three mm-hmm. is a movie that we touched a little bit on in our shout out. Uh, shout out to our one fucking hour on The Brood, David Cronenberg's The Brood. We talked a little bit okay. about this movie. Another heavy, heavy, uh, not a genre film, but a heavy, heavy divorce film. Um, and yeah, I know Ramy's oh, yeah, a big yeah. is a, is a huge. Uh, yeah. Ramy's a huge fan we, of this we, movie. You yeah. guys bonded over it pretty, pretty heavy. Um, yeah. So I'm sure she would return it's, to the channel to cover this one with us. It's I, we'd have to have Ramy for a shoot the moon. I mean, yeah, the, the that's what it is. Need that. That's everyone would insist. You know, if well, she we haven't said the title. Yeah, shoot yet. the moon. I, I think it's a dynamite film. It's Alan Parker. Yeah. Right. Option number three uh, is shoot the, the wall, moon. Uh, One fucking hour. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Shoot the moon. Go ahead. Oh, I was just saying what I was saying. The films that Alan Parker's done. You know? Yeah, we hadn't said the movie yet. So sorry. Option I apologize. Number three oh. is, <laughs> <laughs> option number three is One Fucking Hour on Shoot the Moon, which it could be uh, directed, of course, Marcus by Alan Parker. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Who, who did Midnight Express, The Wall, Fame. That's right. Fame. Others. Right, that's right, that's right. But so it's this uh, is, but yeah. the thing is, if, if maybe you're a little lukewarm on some of these other films we're talking about, um, this film is a real surprise because Par- uh, Parker gets into a great, very adult, very uh, nuanced, and very um, uh, very good at observing small human behavior uh, in this divorce drama. It's total divorce core, basically. Yeah, it is. Like uh, it is. This is the film, and there's lots of kids involved, and. Uh, you know, like there's um, both parents are seeing other people and the kids are having negative reactions to them. And it's often quite tragic and uh, but just really killer performances. Yeah. Of course, you've got um, Albert Finney, Diane Keaton. They're great. But the real MVP is uh, this actress, D- uh, Dana Hall, Dana Hill, excuse me, Dana Hill is yeah. no longer with us. But she right. gives the performance of a lifetime as That's the right. eldest of the, of the of the children of divorce. Yep. And um, 
there's scenes where you got to like almost look away because they're so emotionally fierce yeah. and it's really driven by her performance. Yeah. Um, it's a great film. It's quietly sad. It's uh, again, if you're not, if you think if you're, you know, cause he also did Bugsy Malone, Alan Parker. So if you're thinking of him in this different way, you'd be surprised. And I think a lot of it's driven by the fact that it was written by Bo Goldman, who is uh, kind of a legendary screenwriter. Uh, he did uh, Melvin and Howard and uh, Cuckoo's Nest um, and uh, and Scent of a Woman even. <laughs> but anyway, Bo, Bo Golden was kind of this, I think he was also like a script doctor. So he's kind of a legend screenwriter hmm. in Hollywood. And this is a, a very autobiographical uh, script for him. And uh, right. it's very lived in. I think he lived right. like every scene of this film. So yeah, really special. I love it's, Shoot the Moon. It's really, it's, it's a more authentic, I would say even more authentic grittier sort of Kramer versus Kramer, you know, more of a chamber yeah. piece uh, on uh, on on divorce. Yeah. And, and Albert Finney is just a powerhouse in this. Yeah, uh, no. And Diane no, Keaton. It makes Kramer versus Kramer, just to be trite, it makes Kramer versus Kramer look like Disney, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. It's like Goof Troop. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's good, though. It's very good. So one It's, it's really good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. One fucking hour on Shoot the Moon, dude, is option number three. Option number four, um, this is kind of exciting. We've been trying to sneak in comedies every now and then again. This is um, um, a movie that I, is again, it, it is a gem. It'd be very interesting to get into for an hour. Um, it has a very interesting backstory and its association, of course, with one of the most infamous uh, kind of blowout-esque film companies um, that would be yeah. very uh, infamous and uh, notorious going into yeah. the 80s especially. Uh, we're talking mm -hmm. about the movie, of course, One Fucking Hour on Last American Virgin, uh, released by Canon Films, uh, the infamous Canon Films. Uh, but uh, Last American Virgin is very interesting uh, for many, many, many reasons because it is kind of in the framework of a boner comedy, if you will, of like, you know, mm -hmm. the, the Porky's Revenge of the Nerds kind of concept. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. it packs a very stiff punch in the gut sort of uh, uh, with it that kind of comes out of nowhere and... Um, the movie has a lot yeah. of dramatic weight to it, and it's, um, you know, it does have some kind of like some some of the tropes of some of those other films as I was talking about, but it does have a dramatic weight that's very that de that definitely separates it from any of the other movies of its oh, ilk. Oh, no film that you're citing, no Porky's or like, yeah. uh, you know, like um, yeah. you know, Zapped. stag party movies. Yeah, none of them end with the gut punch of this ending. I don't want to spoil yeah, anything, but um, yeah. you will not see it coming. And uh, it's it's also what I didn't see coming is a great performance by the lead guy who yeah. was um, the real doucher in um, uh, ha Halloween. No, sorry, sorry. Uh, Friday the 13th 4. Yeah. Final chapter. He's the guy right. who's like, oh, he's stoned. And he's like, you're a dead fuck, dude. And he, yeah. he's the guy. That guy in, yeah. in uh, Friday yeah. 4 is the lead of this film. And he... Right the weight of the drama is on his shoulders, especially the, the last act of the film. And he does a great job. And um, there's a killer kind of new wave soundtrack that uh, distinguishes oh, it. Like it's mm -hmm. awesome. Savvy soundtrack. Yeah, Devo. Of, uh, new wave hits. yeah. Devo right. Oingo Boingo. I think it's like that yeah. kind of vibe, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's yeah, cool. Yeah. Cars. The cars. Right. Yep. It's awesome. So we'll get into that. We'll get into Canon films. We'll get into the, the director who actually made iterations of this movie in Israel. Right. <laughs> uh, the Lemon this Popsicle. The, yeah. Yeah. Right. Films. This is a riff off a, uh, an Israeli film uh, series sort of subgenre yeah. of Lemon Popsicle films. Right. right. And it was transplanted to like the San Fernando Valley. So it's, it's got kind of a weird origin story to it. Uh, it does. I'd love to cover it. 
It's Me definitely too. fresh. We don't cover enough stuff like this. I know. I know. Very cool. So those are your four options. One fucking hour on split image. Chan is missing. Shoot the moon or last American virgin. So get on the Instagram right now at one fucking hour. Click on the stories. You can pick one of those uh, to and of course cast your vote. And that'll be episode ni- uh, 82 guys. 1982 motherfuckers. Um, Which will and- be the penultimate of this whole run for the summer. No, because 83 will be after that. Well, uh, penultimate, yeah, the next oh. to last. Oh, yeah, penultimate. Yeah. That, don't know what that word uh, So keep that in mind, guys. <laughs> Lugubrious. Yeah, yeah. This is one of your, this is one of your last chances yes. to flex that pole muscle. Yeah, there it is. There you know? it is. So, yeah, exactly. That's very disturbing. Um, okay, so, uh, and real quick, quick last uh, shout out. Uh, if you like the show, if you like what we're doing and you love hanging out, listening to us talk about movies, uh, the best way to support the show to keep this shit going is of course the one fucking hour Patreon. So patreon.com slash one fucking hour. It's just five bucks a month. You sign up and you get access to all of our audio commentary tracks, other bonus episodes we're going to be doing. We've been talking about a lot of crazy ideas for those lately. Um, or you can scroll onto this video, click the join button and become a moment uh, same price, same perks, your poison, you pick it, and that's it. So uh, patreon.com well, yeah, slash one fucking There's out. also the, uh, you get early access. If that's you're, right. Um, yeah, if you're a member, you get 24-hour early access to each episode. So you get to be the cool, skid, the cool kid in school who's uh, heard all the episodes before everybody else, and you get the audio you commentary. Still, you see tracks. that moment last night? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 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 So yeah. Uh, that's where you want to be. Uh, shout out to everybody who signed up this far. It's been great building that community there as well. And we promise you guys, we got some fucking crazy ass plans for uh, more bonus content, not just commentaries. We're going to do bonus episodes, bonus shows, and live streams. So if you want to be part of that party, sign up there. Um, all right, guys. I think we out. I think that's it. Yeah. Um, thanks, everybody, uh, uh, for watching. Yeah, one fucking hour and blowout, man. It was killer. We'll see you next week uh, for 1982, man. Get your votes in. But we can't leave you, of course, without your what, Tom? Your what? Your moment. Moment. <laughs> moment of Zenin. Oh, yeah. there we go. Um, all right, everybody. Take care, and we'll see you again for next week. Goodbye. Bye. It began with a sound that no one was ever supposed to hear. Motherfucking goddamn orange peel beef.
That was wicked, man.